Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we give you the tips and tricks and secrets to help you sell better every single day. So today's topic is one I'm super excited about. Cold calling is one of the most powerful skills you can have, like whether you're an SDR or an AE or an entrepreneur or even someone trying to get a job and you want to get in touch with a hiring manager. Being able to pick up the phone and get in touch with someone who's not expecting your call and actually generate their interest to the point where they'll have a conversation with you is hugely valuable. But it's also very scary. Um, I don't know if you remember your first cold call, Eric. I remember mine. I think I wanted to cry for like the first 25 of them. Some of that goes away with time and practice, but there's also a lot of actionable tips and tricks that we can teach you to help you make sure your next cold call feels a lot more confident. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to go through some actionable tactics. So you're going to come away from the call with a specific list of things to do before your next cold call. So you feel a lot more confident. But as you're coming into the room, let us know where you're tuning in from. We want to hear where everybody's coming from. Um, Eric, where, where are you based again? Idaho. The good old fire. All right. Anybody else in Idaho? We have a Toronto, Phoenix, Austin, India, San Antonio, Sri Lanka. Amazing. Sao Paulo. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining. We're super excited that you're here. Um, today's guest is Eric Ionello, VP of Business Development over at Sales Collective. Um, I've personally worked with Eric in the past and learned a ton about cold calling from him. So I think we're all in a great place today to learn from Eric, get a lot of his wisdom. He's coached a bunch of reps through a lot of this before, including myself, helping them feel a lot more confident. So we're in really good hands. Uh, but before we dive in, be sure to check out our upcoming daily shows. We do this every single day in a whole range of topics, helping you sell better. We also have a bunch of additional resources from over 100 top sales professionals on our website, sellbutter.xyz, or you can go ahead and scan that QR code. And then another massive thank you to our partner, Apollo, for making today's show possible. Check out the link in the chat to get access to their incredible database filled with all the contact information you could possibly need. Um, so for today's agenda, we have a few main points. First, we're going to address the whole idea of cold calling and why it's so scary. There's some psychology behind it that I think it'll be helpful to walk through. Um, then we're going to jump into some really actionable tactics to help you break through that fear. Eric's going to draw from all his experience coaching new reps um, and anybody who's trying to level up their cold calling game to give you an actionable set of tactics to break through that resistance. And then finally, we're going to run through some tips to help you own every single cold call from your tone to your objection handling to just making sure you're in the right mindset to jump in and feel really confident about everything. So as we're kicking it off, learning more about the psychology and why it's so scary, would love to hear who's in the room today. Are you an SDR? Are you an AE? Are you a frontline manager? Let us know in the poll. All right, Eric, going to kick it over to you. Why is cold calling so scary? Let's run through it. It'll always be forever scary. Uh, remembering my first time ever cold calling, I hung up right when they answered. As soon as you heard the voice on the other end, I was like, nope, not ready. We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> It's intimidating and, and it's literally the most vulnerable, unprepared motion that you can make into a corporate conversation. Uh, to start it all off, like nobody likes change. It's it's a proven fact, right? Nobody wants to move out of their current situation. They don't want to change product. They don't even want to hear what you have to say because they're so uh, resilient to change. Um, and, and so in doing so, you're literally trying to take 30 seconds, minute, two minutes, however long that that, that time frame is and captivate a hook, evaluate their tone, and be able to reason with them about why to continue the conversation. 
all throughout with little to no research prior to or preparation. You have to be hyper-skilled and able to pivot on a moment's notice. I mean, there's just so much foundation or building blocks in one another to make a qualified cold call, especially in today's market, that it's like easier just to say, stop it and, and move to the email or or that social selling or stuff like that. So it, it's vulnerable, but it works. So yeah, well, why should people, like that sounds terrifying. Why should people still try and go for it? I love this. Uh, so tone is everything. I, I think with any relationship that you make, whether it be personal, professional, or anything in between, it's all about the conversation between tonality. Uh, it's, you know, the cliche is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So in a cold call, I can deliver the amount of confidence or reasoning or pick up where they're feeling doubtful and a lot of other components that you can't read within an email or you can't uh, gauge within a social selling environment. So hearing the person on the other end, whether it be multiple or a single, like being able to pivot and being able to leverage, hey, I'm hearing doubt in your voice. Or when I mentioned this to whomever you're, you're corresponding the conversation to, they sounded doubtful or, or they were enticed to, or they leaned in with, or their voice pitched up so many other characteristics that you can't gauge within the other, the other ones. Do you have any favorite, like really humanizing moments you've had where you realize that the person on the other, other end of the phone is actually just a person and you don't need to feel so worried about calling them? Yeah. Um, gosh, I remember like it was yesterday. It was like three to four months into my SDR career and grid. By then, I still don't know what I was doing. I, I, I like to think I am now, but I was calling a rideshare company because I was working the enterprise division and I had the case of the efforts, whether that was a beer or two involved, so I'll let it be said, but I had the confidence. I had the case of the efforts. So I was calling the C-suite and I was like, what do I have to lose? As soon as they answered, which took me by absolute surprise, I, I did my pitch. I did my delivery. And throughout the call, I noticed there was a bit of an echo to there. Hmm. I did not pay mind to it, but they were still talking to me. So what was I going to do? Hang up? Yeah. I kept on delivering. I kept on pu uh, pushing my message. They contradicted. And all of a sudden, I heard a flush in the background. And I realized I caught them with their pants down. And it was the most hysterical moment where I literally took myself and I called them out on it. I was like, you know, am I interrupting in a, a private moment? And he goes, forgive me. You caught me at the wrong time. However, and at that moment, I realized they're just people doing stupid stuff like like we're doing, but I, I I just laughed and it broke that moment where it's like, hey, I'm talking to other individuals, whether they be in the C-suite, whether they be an equal tier to myself, you, it's not talking up to them, it's talking with them, yeah, be in a bad moment or not. Well, in the other part, I know we're going to get into this. Um, it's important to remember like there's a reason why we're calling them. Hopefully it's not just to fulfill a number expectation, but it's like, some of the coolest moments I've had that have helped me break through that fear is when I call somebody and like can actually solve a problem of theirs. And it's like, that's the only way they heard of you. If you hadn't have reached out to them and like interrupted their day, they would still be dealing with this problem, which is another, a whole other thing that I'm sure we'll get into. But yep. I think if we reframe it from like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. I'm interrupting their day. They're going to hate me. Yep. Like, no, like it's not necessarily the case. So we're about okay. to, yeah, sorry. Um, and then, yeah, what, one other thing is like when you're doing email, people like you can kind of defer that judgment mm -hmm. to where, you know, if they want to reject you, they can in a few days. And then you can look at that email a few days later and it's not as sharp, but on the phone, you're going to get it right away. So like, yes, there's always a chance you're going to get hung up on. There's a chance someone's not going to like what you say. 
But Eric and I have both been through that hundreds of times and we are fine, mostly. So I think- I mean, Speak for yourself, you know, but, <laughs> but yes, you're absolutely right. And, and to the point of control, like, I think that's a big component, especially within sales, right? Like whether it's the cliche of time kills all deals, or you have to make sure you have to keep it to a time. It's all about control with mm -hmm. emails. It's very much like, I'll get back to you when I can. That's not control. I would rather have a matter of, gosh, it could be weeks long email exchange within a two to three minute exchange on the phone. Yeah. Not to mention, let's talk about the niche in the room, right? Everybody, everybody has an email, but how often do you check it, right? It's usually when you start to get your inbox a little too full or you're expecting a message, but everybody has a phone in their pocket, right? They they pull it out when it vibrates. They're, they're, they're always going to check it in some sort of capacity. So get to the head of the snake, right? Go to where people look. Yeah. Well, let's get to the juicy part. What, how would you help somebody? Like, say you've got a relatively new rep, they're coming to you, they're saying, Hey, Eric, I, I am terrified to pick up this phone. What do I do? Like how, maybe you have a 30-minute coaching session with them. Like where do you start? Uh, I always talk to them as in the sense that you earn the right. Um, it's it's a lot of the base about confidence, right? It's it's earning the right to do so. You earned your position as an SDR, AE, whatever leader. You're, you're earning the right to contact them. Now, that in itself is just kind of engulfing them in the confidence of going, hey, it's 30 seconds of their time that you're either inconveniencing or it's your paycheck, right? And you can kind of rationalize it to an extrinsic motivation in, in that kind of capacity. So simplifying the outbound is, is where I first start. And it, it really is just one of those things that's like you're having a conversation with another human, right? Humanizing the conversation is a cliche that's used over and over. I stand by it. Um, I try to picture myself and it's just my bartending background or it's just my social aspect of it's like sitting next to a person and having a casual conversation. It's nothing more than that. Um, so remembering that is always going to be the foundation of, of where it goes. Um, a few other tactics I'd love to utilize is, is body position. Uh -huh. When we're sitting, we're slouching typically, right? No more casual. And that brings a more relaxed tone. When I stand, I tend to stand tall and you can hear it through your voice, right? And I, and I feel like the more captivating conversations are when you're standing, when you're elongated. I don't know how, how else to put it, but so I actually encourage my clients or anybody here listening to stand up, whether you have a standing desk or not, like just stand up and hear the difference in your tone, right? And it sounds a little bit more powerful. And when you relay that conversation, that confidence, it's received that way. So I'd much rather talk to somebody on the receiving end that has its confidence, that has the ability to impact, but has the parallel in conversation. So standing up tends to help me. 100%. Um, Eileen just mentioned standing desk is a way to go. I couldn't agree more. Um, I also find it helpful, like taking demos like that, like just that posture and confidence. Just as you said that, I was like, wait, I'm slouching. Let me sit up. Um, yeah. Something else I know we talked about is like recording yourself, mm -hmm. the sound of your voice, like how you how you stand, all of that. Can you walk us through what that looks like and some exercises people can do and how they can benefit from it? Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So that's one of my favorite things that I learned the easy way, I guess, or I was told was um, it is record yourself on a zoom or just record yourself on, on your phone, delivering your pitch or your talk track or whatever kind of parameters that you're looking to gauge between and watch the mannerisms of your body, right? We, we naturally, I'm Italian, so I was born this way, but naturally we talk with our body. And so we're expressive people. If I'm sitting on my hands and if I'm slouching down, it sounds like I'm slouching down. Now, if I'm talking like this, already and i'm not trying to force it already i have a more captivating tone in my in my voice which kind of leans in a little bit more curiosity on the receiving end 
Yep. So I, I look at that and watch yourself. Do you feel uncomfortable? Do you look uncomfortable? My favorite is, do you look like yourself, right? If I'm watching it, am I watching a mirrored position, presentation of myself that I'm proud of or that I can approve of? Because that's who I want to deliver in the phone call, right? Mm -hmm. I can't stress enough, be yourself in the call because again, you're the one representing your company, but you're the one representing yourself. And it's so much components down to yourself. So yeah. So I'll say that first and foremost. And then my favorite that uh, that I kind of unlocked is is practice to someone outside of the industry that's mm -hmm. not on either the buyer side or the seller side. Someone I use my wife or uh, my neighbor who cannot be cut from two different cloths or, or from more than two different cloths. Talk to them and watch their reception. Watch if they're like kind of tilting their head. Well, obviously you didn't hit it correctly. Because again, you're talking to someone with a nativity but really it's about how you display yourself. And I'd rather you walk away going, I did a great job. They didn't receive it. Move on to the next and crap, I messed that one up, you know? And there's a much different reception moving on into this. Yeah. So those, those are a couple of my favorites. And that's really helpful too, because then you can practice the clarity of yeah. what you're saying, because if it doesn't make any sense, you probably need to root. Like we get in an echo chamber sometimes, especially if we're surrounded by people who talk about the same things we do all day, every day. And it's easy to make things more complex than they should be. But I want to go back to the point you made about being yourself. And I think a lot of times people have like their their work persona and then their life persona, you know, and obviously there have to be some differences between the two, but people buy from people and people can see when you're being authentic and people can see your personality. And the more you can let that out and, you know, obviously a work appropriate way, the more good results you're going to have. Um, so I really like that you called that out. I think people should definitely try and lean into that more because you're you're not a robot, you know, like, I mean, maybe the robots will come still or cold calling jobs eventually, but not yet. So we still have that differentiator of like our humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd rather have a compliment from my team or myself where they're going, I really liked how Eric or I really liked how Sydney and, I, and if they pinpoint it to a delivery with your first name. That's great. Rather than, and it's, and I'm not knocking anybody that leads off of product values. I think that is very quintessential in a lot of talk tracks, but talking to the individual emotion of how you present yourself, that to me is a louder compliment than if the latter of, right? That, that just to me speaks to my team, to the individual, to myself. Um, and it's gratifying it, at the end of the day, that's what I'd rather you sleep on than <laughs> all the calls that you missed on. So yeah, a hundred percent. Um, another thing we talked about was like you said, having trust in yourself, you got this job for a reason. You're in this role for a reason, you know, but people have so much self-doubt when it comes to this. And at the end of the day, like, again, you were, you were chosen for this. You have the aptitude. It's, it's not rocket science. Like we view it as such a different thing from just picking up a phone and calling a friend. But could you talk a little bit more about that and how people can lean into that confidence? Sure. Um, I think for one, what are the breaking points that I had for my myself and something I encourage for my team is, is go out and talk to your ICP, but without any angles in your pocket, leveling the playful, get used to talking, if you're working GTM, get used to talking to the managers outside of your own scope, whether you're, if your organization is big enough, go to a different uh, division and talk to the leaders of there, get practiced or practice the fact of talking to somebody up, up the hierarchy. And I understand that it's not as easy as it sounds, but once you start to realize that just normal people with the same insecurities, the same anxieties, it's just in a different position. At the end of the day, it really kind of simplifies the, the the profoundness of going, hey, I'm just talking to Joe down the street. Like really, he just happens to have a title. As soon as you kind of recognize that or even get used to that, you're off to the races. Now you're dangerous. Now that's when it becomes, I mean, the rinse and repeat, that's when it becomes the thick skin, big smiles, because at the end of the day, 
hey, look, we're all trying to get to the same end goal. We're all mm-hmm. trying to get better at our job. We're all trying to deliver for our family, for our the ones that would depend on us. Yeah. We're just trying to do the same progressive motion. It's just a little bit different, right? All right. So we've shifted our perspective. So we understand that the person we're calling is a human. You know, we're calling to actually provide some value for their day. We're standing up. We've recorded ourselves. So we know we feel confident. How do we figure out what to actually say? Oh, that's a great question. So it, it's really derived off of curiosity. I I tend to preach on the anti-script. And what I mean by that is I don't go in with an expectation of going, I need them to answer X, Y, and Z in order to qualify. I'm looking to learn. So if yeah. I'm calling you, if you're at you know the ICP and I want to go, Sydney, I'm curious about. Now, it's a cliche statement, but however, it really has a profound notion because I'm looking to learn. Do we have a fit? Is there a problem? Is there a solution to said problem? Is my solution the fit to your certain problem? Now, through that, I learn a whole lot more from my future conversations by going, well, I've learned the last three of my 12 phone calls that I've answered have the collective problem of. Well, now I'm going to push that up into my hook or into my my value prop. Um, and so, you know, the, the constant exposure is always going to be one thing, but I, I, I swear by going in with a curiosity and leaving expectations behind, because if you go in with the expectations you're relying your expectations on another individual. And I hate to say it more times than not, you're not going to be walking away with a winner. So I look for the alternative. Do they make them laugh? Do they remember my name? Do they know who I am or where I'm calling from? The little finite moments in my delivery. And then what am I walking away from? Well, I know a whole lot more about this industry. I know a whole lot more about that certain company or that certain ICP because there's more than one in the company in most circumstances. So if I fail this one, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back with bigger guns, a bigger hammer, and more deliverability to the next person or the the multi-threading facet. So uh, yeah, that's I can preach on this all day, but that's, yeah, that's, that's my vision. Well, I think that's amazing advice because especially when there's such anxiety involved with making a call, I think a lot of times people get stuck in the trap of, okay, here's my script. I'm going to say this, they're going to say this, then I'll say this. And then like, they don't say that. And then you panic. And then it's just like, you have your agenda. Like I need to book a meeting. I need to do whatever. I think if you approach it with the angle that Eric's talking about, and you really do just want to learn more, if they're a good fit, amazing. If they're not, that's okay. But at the end of the day, again, you're just having a conversation with another human being. Like it's not about like the the gimmicks and tricks to make them, you know, stay on long enough to to talk to you and Yep. It's, it's not tricking them into a conversation. It's finding a way to generate interest. And again, worst case scenario, they're going to hang up on you or they're not going to talk to you. But more times than not, people are going to be receptive. Um, mm-hmm. You'll learn a little bit more than you did the last time. So I, I think that's amazing advice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if you try to, for, like you said, like if you try to force it, it's most likely, uh, I'll, I'll leave the exclusivity out of it, but, but you can get the idea. Like, Force meetings don't work. They don't convert. They don't go to SQLs or whatever the acronym is, SAO. It's just, it's not what you're looking for. So don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to jump into our next section in just a moment. But everybody, yeah, if you have any questions for Eric, we're going to have just a few minutes to run through them. Be sure to put them in the Q&A box. Let me know. Let us know what we can help with. Um, handling objections? Absolutely. So that's actually what we're getting on to next. So the next part of the show, we want to talk a little bit about how to make sure you feel confident and prepared for every cold call you make. And that's not to say you can account for every eventuality, but like, what's the mindset you need going into it? How do you adequately prepare for objections? But really what I want to start with, Eric, is what is your mindset around objections? What does an objection mean to you and how do you navigate that? 
Oh, bring it on. No, uh, <laughs> no, I look at it in two different components. It looks to that it challenges me uh, to level me up. It, get, it I look at more of a reception than what it is as a roadblock or as a hurdle. Uh, I look at it as, as more of like a pivot that I either haven't experienced before, in which case I get to either flex my stuff or get creative. And I really look at it for, it gives you the ability to be able to express yourself. How you handle a pivot tells me how you're going to be throughout the entirety of the call. So if I, if I get a, um, an objection, like, uh, now's not a good time. You know what? Thank you so much, Mr. And Mr. Prospect. I totally respect that. When wouldn't be a good time rather than just backing off. We'll come back to the objection. Well, never. Oh, I apologize. Is this not a, is this not a problem for you? Well, no, I well, tell me more about it. And now I've got it just repivoted back around. So that's an objection I commonly see. Um, but I look at it as more for an opportunity to learn and poke pry. If they give me an objection, that's just point to poke a hole in the bucket. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, mentality is, is curiosity kills a cat, but at the same time, that's where I get to the gotcha moments in the call. So I encourage them. Well, also, I think one of the best things I learned about objections, I think from you is like, not just to address them at face value, like learn a little bit more about why they're asking you that first, mm. if you can, instead of just like immediately answering. It's like, oh yeah, why are you, why are you curious about X, Y, Z? Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's definitely helpful. Um, we have another question. What is your favorite opener? Do you always do the same one or do you do kind of do it on the fly? Um, no, I don't use the same one. So I, I'm, I'm probably anti any manager that's on this. Cause I don't believe in scripts. I, again, I believe in personality, how I feel for the day. Uh, sometimes I don't feel like dialing. So it's going to be very mundane. It's going to be very kind of, Hey, this is Eric from the sales collective. And it sounds like that, uh, more times than not, I try to bring my best personality in and, and address it head on because I am a pretty type A aggressive personality. I don't like to that. Not aggressive, but in your face. Anyways, I I'm loud and I'm, I'm, I'm personality. So I like to come in with going, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call the elephant in the room, Mr. and Mrs. Prosty. This is a total cold call. Am I interrupting something more dire on your end? Mm -hmm. And it, and it disqualifies it before it qualifies it. Cause I don't want to waste my time. I firmly believe, and this is going to be a little bit of a tangent on this one. I believe as a rep, your time is more valuable than the prospects. As soon as you get into that mentality and you disqualify off the bat, guess what? You just opened up an opportunity to call 10, 15, 20 more people. Rather than going through the task of three to five minutes of trying to qualify them, I had to get that meeting just to realize it's not a fit because of the fact that they don't have time for this. So rather than that, I try to disqualify from the top. Uh, you know, it, it, am I interrupting some of the more dire on that? And no one says yeah. dire. So I usually get a good little chuckle on that. And let's be honest, nobody talks that way anymore. So they're like, just like, Idaho? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I stand out like a sore thumb. So uh, that's that's my cliche favorite opener. And it usually says, yeah, I'm way too busy. Cool. When's the best time that I can call back? Never. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, hey, you know, just to let you know, we actually help revise X, Y, and Z. Uh, is this not a problem for you? Now, I just extended my conversation to 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it actually is. Well, tell me a little bit. And now I just opened up. Now it's bypassing it. On the latter half, no, it's not. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Disqualified. Move on. Rinse and repeat. So yeah. Well, in the interest of being prepared for every call, um, we have a question from Chris. What are your best tips for controlling your tone, being inquisitive and slow? Oh, or yeah. I, uh, as you can tell, I'm very loud, but I also talk very fast. I talk even quicker when I'm uncomfortable. Um, and so that vulnerability really plays through, even still today, as I've done many, many phone calls. Um, I, I tried to keep pace. So I actually have a circle around in my carpet around my desk because I just constantly pace while I'm on the phone. That pace helps me get into like, like a rhythm per se, uh, where I'm not 
over exacerbating my tone or trying to be overexcited when I'm like, yeah, that's a great. I'm like, heck yeah, let me send you the DocuSign. Chill. So I try to level the playing field and go on. Well, I still have more that I want to ask him. Let's not get too excited because it may not right. be fit. Curiosity does not equal fit. Uh, so I, I think there's a couple, a couple different components. Now I do breathing exercises, which Sydney's going to laugh at me because I'm terrible at, at them, but I've always tried to help myself inside the type of calmness and a sense of chi. I don't know what the, the term is, but, okay. um, like Zen. Yeah. Uh, there you go. That's a- Abigail is asking what strategy do you use to calm yourself and focus in before making a call? Yeah. So I saw this funny thing on, on the internet one time of putting a pencil underneath your tongue and breathing for 10 minutes. And I will swear by it. It is a very strange, don't do it like in front of people and don't do it in public, but it is a very, very good method to actually restrict a little bit of your breathing is from what I'm understanding. I'm not a scientist, but from what I understand, push you to shallow your breath a little bit, which will actually calm your nerves. And whenever I'm going into like an actual call block, you may not know this, Sid, but I actually did that every single time we jumped onto a call block. And it was just very, very methodical that I was just like, yeah, great. Well, I think it's good having that trigger. So like you associate something with getting in the mode for cold calling, especially the unsolicited tip, but it also really helps if you're not doing like a cold call and then an email and then this, like sit down, turn off your notifications, set a timer for half an hour and run through as many calls as you can, because that way you just get into the momentum and that helps a lot. Yeah. Um, The routine of. Yeah. Susie would like to know how much prep do you do about the person you're calling before a call? Ooh, Susie, this is a great question. So it is as accessible as you have. Now, depending on your ICP, you may find readily available information. Um, Like salespeople like us, we're very hyperactive traditionally on LinkedIn, which the information is very readable. Um, The counter to that, as we explore manufacturing and other more difficult, less prominently available information, I, I stand by the fact that I do very little to none preparation walking into it. Now, I tier my accounts, my clients, or excuse me, my prospects in a tiered system. So that way, tier A, I have about five people in there for the day that I'm going, these guys are my perfect ICP. I understand what product they're releasing. I can hypothesize what kind of fit is. And you have that kind of preconceived information walking in. But 90% of the time I do very, very little to none. If anything, it's more reactive than it is proactive research. I do want to say though, like there's a caveat there. Maybe you're not doing a ton of research about the specific person, but you know a lot about your product. You know a lot about your ICP. You know a lot about the problem you're solving. So I think those three things are more important. Unless of course, yeah, it's like your number one, most strategic. You can find their life story on LinkedIn, then go in with the personalized thing. But like, I think, it, I think again, it's like the relevance versus personalization, understanding the problem you solve for the ICP that you're reaching out to, that's going to be really important. Great plug. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it is very much account first here, but yeah, awesome job. Ooh, okay. Well, we only have three more minutes and we have a bunch of questions. So let me just quickly, I've got one from Nick. Um, Eric, I, I know we've talked about this before, but did you start with a full head of hair before you started cold calling? Nick Phillips. Oh man, how do you sneak into there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once upon a time, I had a big old uh, bushel head of hair and then I met cold calling and Slowly but surely. <laughs> All right. Um, Darren's asking how you open the call. We walked through that a little bit. Um, Eli's asking, how do you establish legitimacy for the call? Saying, I just want to learn about your company. One, what I really mean is I have something to sell is a lie I feel like and the prospect, I feel like me and the prospect can both see through. Change your mentality, my friend. You're not trying to sell anything. You're not trying to book a meeting. You're looking to learn. 
if you come in with the actual leverage of looking to learn, curiosity will prevail or whatever you want to call it. If you're looking to book a meeting and have that angle in the back pocket, come out and say it. I can't tell you how many times I was like, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I know you know the dance. I'm looking to gauge a further conversation. Would it be in your interest to explore this conversation more? Um, I am very direct. I'm very blunt because again, my time is more valuable than theirs. Uh, but at the end of the day, be curious, not an angle. Awesome. We've time. 20 second answer to this. How do you get past the gatekeepers? Um, oh gosh, that's a tough one. So the relevancy on hook is a patient. So you have to do omni-channel approach. Um, dependent on that one, you want to make sure that the message is cognitive towards the person you're trying to reach through the message you're giving the gatekeeper. ID. Uh, I'm looking to reach Mr. and Mrs. Prospect. I should be expecting my call. I had dropped him an email uh, on Thursday last week. Mm -hmm. That is a little bit more direct and it's not a lie. You dropped him an email last week. They're expecting my call because I signed off my CTA that way. Um, but it brings a little bit more urgency and actually a direct approach to that. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We are wrapping up here. I wish we had time for 1 million more questions. Um, Eric, where can everybody find you? Uh, I'm, I'm easy. Um, on LinkedIn, more than I should be. Um, and yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everybody so much for coming today. I hope you feel a little bit more confident getting ready for your next cold call. Remember, your prospects are human. You're here to solve a problem and get really curious and be yourself. So practice those role plays, practice that recording, make sure you're standing up straight. You're going to absolutely nail it. Um, if you liked the show, would love if you could share it with a friend, let everybody know that we do this every single day with amazing guests, teaching you everything we can about how to sell better. You can check us out on our website, on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. We're dropping value everywhere we can. And go say hi to Eric on LinkedIn. Happy cold calling. See you guys.